titled this message this morning, Sidestruck. Uh, we're going to look at a, an account here in the book of Acts of where an angel of the Lord come to a messenger of God in uh, deep sleep and struck him on the side to wake him up to give him an awareness of God's presence. And before we go into this this morning, I, I just want to say to the church that I believe that God is in the process even right now as we speak of waking up the body of Christ to another level of awareness of God's presence for what He is about to do. And in Acts chapter 11, at the end of Acts chapter 11, starting in verse 26, and I'm going to read out of the NLT. This is, this is an account of uh, Peter. He's in Antioch in a prison. And he's been there for some time and as we go into the story, we're going to find that Peter is bound in between two prisoners. There's one on, in, one on each side of him, and he's been bound with two chains. And Paul is in this dark place, and we are about to read the account here of where it must come evening time, and he's fell into this sleep. I don't know how long that Paul was there, or how long that Peter was there, but Barnabas has already went to Tarsus to send for, for Saul. And he's uh, on his way down uh, to Jerusalem. And as we start in verse 26 in the NLT, he says that when he found him, he brought him back to Antioch. He's talking about Paul. He said, uh, or Saul, he said, both of them stayed there with the church for a few years teaching large crowds of people. It was at Antioch that the believers were first called Christians. During this time, some prophets had traveled, to, had traveled to Antioch, and one of them named Agabus stood up in one of the meetings and predicted by the Spirit that a great famine was coming upon the entire Roman world. This was fulfilled during the reign of Claudius. So the believers in Antioch decided to send relief to the brothers and sisters in Judea, everyone giving as much as they could. This they did, entrusting that their gifts to Barnabas and Saul to take to the elders of the church in Jerusalem. It says now, starting in chapter 12, verse 1, about that time King Herod Agrippa began to persecute some believers in the church. He had the apostle James, John's brother, killed with a sword, and when Herod saw how much this pleased the Jewish people, he also arrested Peter. This took place during the Passover celebration. It says, then he imprisoned him, placing him under the guard of four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring Peter out for public trial after the Passover, but while Peter was in prison, the church prayed very earnestly for him. The night before Peter was to be placed on trial, he fell asleep, fastened with two chains between two soldiers. Others stood guard at the prison gate. Suddenly there was, a bright, there was a bright light in the cell, and the angel of the Lord stood before Peter. The angel struck him on the side to awaken him and said, Quick, get up. The chains fell off his wrist, and the angel, then the angel told him, Get dressed and put on your sandals. And he did. Now put on your coat and follow me, the angel ordered. So Peter left the cell following the angel, but all the time this was all the time he thought that it was only a vision. He didn't realize it was actually happening. 
They passed the first and the second guard post and came to the iron gate leading to the city. And this opened for them all by itself. So they passed through and started walking down the street. And then the angel suddenly left him. Peter finally came to his senses. It's really true, he said. The Lord has sent his angel and saved me from Herod and from what the Jewish leaders had planned to do to me. When he realized this, he went to the home of Mary, the mother of John Mark, where many were gathered for prayer. He knocked at the door in the gate, and a servant girl named Marada came and opened it. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed that instead of opening the door, she ran back inside and told everyone, Peter is standing at the door. You're out of your mind, they said. When she insisted, they decided it must be his angel. Meanwhile, Peter continued knocking. When they finally opened the door and saw him, they were amazed. He motioned for them to quiet down, and he told them how the Lord had led him out of prison. He says, now tell James and the other brothers what happened, he said. And then he went to another place. And I'm going to stop the reading there. I, as I was reading through this, this past week, I noticed that in this passage of Scripture, there's such a powerful story of testimony and deliverance of God. And there's so many things that we can pull out of this. I ain't got all the time to be able to do it this morning. I feel that the Lord's been leading me to a message called Sidestruck. And I believe that it's going to speak to you this morning in a powerful way if you allow the Holy Spirit to come upon your mind and allow God to do something supernatural in your life through the Word of God today. I don't know how many people are sitting in the sanctuary this morning that have felt or may feel now like you've been chained to a wall and that to your right, there's an opposition, and to your left, there's an opposition. And not only is there an opposition, but you also have some cord of attachment that's holding you to a particular place that you do not desire to be. Peter found himself in that place some thousands of years ago as this was, was penned as a real account. This actually happened. This wasn't just some story that was conjured up and put down in the Bible uh, for us to read and, and to be able to get enjoyment out of. That's, uh, it's, this is a real event. There was an angel that come to Peter in a real prison. He was chained with real chains. There was two very real breathing prisoners on each side of him. There was four squads of four soldiers each. There was guards at the prison door, an iron gate. There was a real iron gate that closed him in this place. And as we read through this passage, we realize that this angel, as he come down to Peter, as, as Peter, I'm sure, had been praying, he had been pouring his heart out to God in this place, of unknown. He's in a place that he don't desire to be. He's got things that's holding him that he can't feel that he can escape from. And no matter where that he looks, there's something that's holding him back. 
And this angel, as he comes to the Lord, he comes to him at such a strange time because the Bible says you don't come to him when he's awake as he's praying for this help and for this deliverance. He comes to him at a time when you would least expect the Lord to answer. And when he come to him, what is amazing out of this passage of Scripture is the method in which he, which he used in order to get his attention to provide the miracle that not only he had been praying for, but also according to this passage, the church, which is the ecclesia, that's it's an assembly of a body of people that had met together, had been praying so earnestly. See, this body of people, they had been meeting, and when they had met, their, their purpose of meeting was to glorify God and to rise Jesus Christ in their midst. And there were signs and wonders, there were miracles that happened. People's lives were converted over to the gospel ministry of Jesus Christ. There was forgiveness of sin. There was added to throughout the weeks uh, new converts, new believers. This is the first passage of Scripture that you will find the word Christian used in the King James. Is, and what Christian means is to be a disciple. So we have a church that I want you to move past what we see here today, even though this is what we call, this is a, a church house today according to the English standard or English war. But this, the church is so much more more than this. See, there was, there was an assembly of people that was meeting together in, in a home. And these people that had met together were known in the community by their relationship with Jesus Christ. They were called disciples, so they had to put a name to them because it's never been seen in the world before. This is a whole new world, or it's a whole new word because there's a whole new group of people that has never existed before this time. This is... So now we have to add something to the dictionary because it's unprecedented. It's never been before. Until this time, this word had no need for existence because Christ had not yet come. He had not yet been crucified, risen from the dead, and His Spirit had not yet been poured out upon mankind, but now it has. So now this deems, this is a whole new disposition. This is a whole new change in the human world and society that's bled over the world that we are now. So now they come up with this name, Christian, a disciple, and these people were known by their faith. They were known by their relationship with each other, not just to Jesus Christ, but by who that they was. And when these people come together, when this assembly met, no matter where it was, I believe if they was to meet out in a meadow somewhere, or they were meeting at some shack, some stable, some donkey stable somewhere, I, I don't know, wherever it was that they met, they met with purpose. They weren't just coming together to sing some songs, church. They, they were coming together for a reason. And as a matter of fact, when the assembly was called for one, there would have had to have been a messenger that went to tell the disciples, the Christians in the community, hey, we're about to have a meeting. We're about to have an assembly. We're about to have church now. And when they come, as you read into this passage of Scripture and further a little bit before this, he talks about where they was actually instructing the large crowds and they've been doing it for a year in this particular place and they were, 
They were showing them the Scripture. They were sharing them not only the Old Testament, but they were sharing with them a relationship. They were sharing with them something that had not yet been penned. They, they didn't have the Bible, a manuscript. So what was they sharing with them? They weren't standing and just going through the Bible and reading the accounts because they didn't yet have it for this new place. This was something brand new. They were being led by the Spirit of God and teaching them Jesus Christ. How did they do that? Without a letter. They were doing it by the power of the empowerment of the Holy Spirit through relationship as God gave revelation to the ministers of the church, as God gave revelation to leadership appointed men that God had chosen that they were sharing with them just Christ's life. Christ's life was so foreign to what they had ever seen before because what they had found is in this place of ministry, they witnessed healings. They witnessed people go from thieves and beggars to people that worked with their hands, to people that become accountable to more than just the law. Their accountability was placed not only to the Torah and to the Old Testament, they were now held into a place of accountability to each other. By the empowerment of God's Spirit, they become a family. They were building the kingdom of God was being built and is still being built in the world today. And this was the first church. It's what church looked like. What was this church doing? I want to share a little bit about how this all orchestrated. How did this miracle happen for this one man? What got God's attention for this miraculous deliverance? They had a meeting. They called an assembly. They were meeting for a purpose. They had full faith and belief in their Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. They prayed earnestly together in one accord, in spirit and truth, about the same issue. And I thought that was so amazing. He had, I don't know how many people that there was that was praying, but they had been praying a long time. They've been in this house. This is nighttime. They're still praying. They're in there up, they're, they're praying, and now all of a sudden, the one that they had been praying before, God sends an angel, a messenger to this man. But when the angel comes into this prison, he don't just shake Peter. He don't just come over and whisper in his ear, Peter, I'm here. What's he say? The scripture says he struck him on the side. Have you ever been struck on the side? There's a little bit of pain that comes with that blow to the side. I mean, isn't it amazing when God is getting our attention? Sometimes, most generally, most every time in my life when he's tried to get mine up into this point has been the very start, the initiation of the voice has been something uncomfortable. And it's been because he's been trying to awaken me to something more. And so Peter, he's, he's chained in between these two prisoners. He's chained this wall. Guaranteed he's exhausted every part of his body in prayer and meditation to the Lord before he just, I believe in sheer exhaustion, probably just collapsed onto the chains as he's been praying, meditating to the Lord for something that meant so much to him, his life 
his, his freedom. Not only that, I believe he would have been a man that was praying to be able to be a witness and a testimony in this place. He was a man. He's going through some stuff in this place. And now after he's exhausted everything, his eyes can't even be awake anymore and he's just collapsed under the sheer just exhaustion of crying out to the Lord. I believe that now, now God can get his attention and he strikes him on the side and he wakes up. There's this pain. He wakes him up. And then the angel speaks to him and you know he tells him, he says, look, get your, get your coat on. Here's your sandals. Now, he says, now, put on your coat and follow me, the angel ordered. So Peter left the cell. And as what's amazing is as he's leaving this cell, he don't think it's real. Which tells me he's been there for a minute. Didn't just get put in there yesterday. He'd been there for a minute, crying out to God. And now, he's been in there so long, and he's evidently been praying for so long, and things hadn't happened. Maybe Peter was starting to lose hope. Because I'm thinking, he's starting to get drained in his human state and frailty, he's been in this captivity. I mean, how many people have been in a certain situation for so long and you have lost hope? How many people has been with family situations, husbands, wives, children, grandchildren for so long that we start to lose hope? And we've poured out everything that we know that we can in order for deliverance. And we've exhausted everything that we have in our human mind. Our spirit has been drained. And he says, now, as the miracle starts, see, all, there's been people praying for Peter that he didn't know was even praying to probably to the capacity that they had been. And now God moves and it starts with a prick. It starts with a smack on the side. Hey, wake up, boy. You know, and he's, he inflicts the miracle starts with a place of perceived pain. And in this pain, one of the greatest events happened in Peter's life to, to authenticate the power of God to show him who God really is and what he is capable of. And he used this story with Peter, this real account, to not only encourage Peter, but to all of those that ever read this and for the church today, of the capability, the capacity of God to be able to deliver. And he has every ability for any situation in life. And as he had to awaken Peter to this revelation, Peter, when he first walks out of this jail, I don't know how many of you have ever been incarcerated before, but sometimes in that place you can be there for so long that when you come out, it's like you, you feel like you're in two different worlds. You come out and you wonder if things is really happening. How many has ever been dealing with situations in, in family or job situations, financial situations or something, and, and the deliverance of the Lord come, there was relief that come, but you had been in that place for so long that now you're, you're, you're actually starting to live one step of the miracle and you can't, even, you can't even enjoy it because you're wondering if it's going to be taken back from you. We wonder, is this really happening, man? Am I really here? Did I die? There's been times in my life I've been in that place for so long when I come out, I wonder, did I die in that place? And now, is this a dream? 
Are they burying me somewhere? And now here I'm, am I a ghost? I'm talking crazy stuff going through your mind. Am I, am I some spirit? That's, uh, some people probably relate to that in the house of, of the Lord today, but I, I believe Peter was in that place and he'd probably, there was probably a torment that he had experienced in that place and now he's, he's walking with this angel with this angel. He's questioning everything, and then just all of a sudden, the angel takes him through one more place. See, it was he needed to get his attention. God shined his light down into this place, and now he walks him through through one obstacle. Chains fall off. Now, as his vision, as his sight from, from right to left, those obstacles have been removed. Then he had to remove the restraints that held him back to that place. Now he brought him through that. Now he's going to stay with him for one more mile. And he walks him through an iron gate. And he takes him through. And when he comes through that obstacle, now he's on the street of complete freedom. Now Peter has the opportunity to decide where he's going to go. Which direction he's going to go? He's standing on the street. Complete freedom. Here, here it is. He asked for deliverance. God used a source of pain to deliver something in his life that he couldn't perceive, even though this is, God can do this in so many uh, ways in our life that we could experience some, some pain or some prick on the side to get our attention when we fell asleep. The, the point of the matter is, is, is have we fallen asleep? How many has become so wore out in their spirit about situations that now they fell asleep. Now, we're all going to find ourselves in that place because we're all human. We have to come to a place of sleep. No one can go that distance, not without the power of God. No one can stay awake for months on end. I don't care how much meth that they've injected into their body or, or what kind of drugs. There has to be some sleep. You're going to come to a place where you have to rest how many people have find themselves in that place this morning to where everywhere that they look, it seems to be like that there is something that's holding them back. They're, they're in a place that they don't desire to be. Now, how many people are in another place that they've walked through one gate, they've received the prick, and now they've walked through one gate, and now they're standing at the next, and God's about ready to do something in that instant. That gate's about to raise, but you don't know it yet. The angel's still with you. You're still being encouraged up into this point. See, you still got people, messengers of God, that's, that's feeding you, that's trying to love on you, that's help being used by God to orchestrate this miracle. And now, so we got people that's in that place of deliverance. And, now, and then you've got people that's listening to this messenger will... At some point in time, it's through that next place. Now that gate's been raised. Now they're standing in a place of decision and they're in complete freedom, spiritually, physically. And they're looking around. The obstacles are gone. Now all the encouragement that once was, different people, maybe relationships that you've had that you've built in the church, different encouragers God has used to get you to a certain point. Now they're kind of fading away in the backdrop and now you're standing on a street of decision and now you have complete freedom to decide which way that you're going to go. And there's fear that comes into the mind and he's standing there's wondering, is this really real? Am I really here? Do you really believe that God has delivered you? Can you really, 
Can you really in your mind believe that Almighty God has brought you through the gate and now you stand in a place of freedom? Jesus, and now He has to decide which way He's going to go. Where does He go? He don't run to the closest bar. He don't run back to the nearest dope house. He don't run back to the familiar things. He don't, he don't start going backwards and, and try to enjoy His freedom while He can because it's not real. No, He goes and where does He find Himself? He seeks out His brothers and sisters in Christ. He goes and He finds Himself now at the doorstep of a home where an assembly is meeting that have been called for Him. And He goes and He's knocking on this door. And now so many things are happening. Now these people are being encouraged because now the first person to open this door, now they're awake, but they've also been drained in their spirit, obviously. They're awake. See, he was asleep, had to be sidestruck, to be woke up to receive his miracle. Now the miracle is standing before the door of the assembly, and they open the door and they see the very deliverance of God, and they close the door. What is it? It's a ghost. Isn't that amazing? He thought he was a ghost. They thought he was a ghost. But they're both breathing. It's real. Both sides think it's, a, think it's an illusion. And here, they go back in and now they, they open the door again. They realize that it's really Him. And there's this great encouragement of the body of Christ because of this one place of perceived pain. See, God sees further than what we can. You know, God allowed something to happen in the life of Peter in order to reach not just Peter. This encouraged Peter to take him to another place. But see, Peter had a choice. When God moved on his behalf, and why did God move? He moved because of the prayer of the church. I believe God moved because there was a group of people that was meeting together for his Deliverance. And this morning, that was what I wanted to share with the church of, of, you know, today is a day, an opportunity for us as an assembly to come together to call heaven down to earth, Jesus, to call forth the angels of God to come into places in our life people that we love's life, things, situations that we don't have the strength to be able to walk through, put, we don't know what's going to happen from one minute to the next. You know, it may be something as simple of how long you've been trying to get a loved one to come to church, uh, a mate, a husband or a wife, how long, there's, there's all types of different things you know, that this we can feel trapped like Peter. We, we don't have to be in a physical prison. We relate this to where we are today. When you look to the left or to the right, is there obstacles that you seem to be held back? Are you chained to a place that you would rather not, buy, rather not be? Is somebody the chain? Is somebody the link that is holding you to a place? Is it a particular job? Is it, a, is it what, what is it that's holding you in that place? And can you believe, have you been there for so long that you have become weak and tired and you're now asleep? Let me, I just want to declare to the body of Christ this morning that people in all different places here in this message, I believe that there's those that still awake about to fall asleep 
They need this message for encouragement when the strike comes. I believe that there's those that's about to be struck by the side, by the angel of the Lord through the word and the power of the Holy Spirit this morning to wake them up, to help take them to a place of deliverance. I believe that there's people that's had that deliverance. They're standing at a new gate and now the Lord is about to release them into ministry, release them into the world and they're about to have choices that they've never had before for this letter to bring encouragement to them to help lead and guide them into a place of truth and righteousness to experience God's best and His blessing. There's those that's standing on the other side or will be standing on the other side of the gate that now they can decide if they want to go to the left, the right, behind, or if they want to go forward. And it's going to be up to them and their decision of where they spend the rest of their life and the rest of eternity. And are they going to choose Christ or are they going to go back to the old beggarly ways thinking that something's going to be different to receive a new chain. See, when the presence of God breaks a chain, He don't just break it. He removes it to never be fused back together again. See, my God is in, the, is in not just the chain breaking, but the chain taking business. Why? He don't want to leave the links there for you to decide, I'm going to weld it back together. No, because when the power of God falls upon a man's life or a woman's life, we see the chain. We recognize the pain that it had brought and had inflicted upon my life. And there's a peace that comes from God. When that chain has been removed, if you have ever been in a place of bondage for so long, Jesus, and that peace comes, you will learn to respect peace. You, you will learn to have an understanding of what it means to not have peace. You will know in your spirit, God, you will come to want to worship peace because you know that anything outside of peace is such misery. You know where it takes you. You don't want to go back to that place. And you will seek out peace in your life. God's Holy Spirit will come upon you and that's the one way that He helps to lead and guide a believer that is in tune, that's allowing God to be able to speak to them that's... Uh, had a word from the throne of God. See, there's a huge difference between when you just receive a word, when it just falls upon the mind, according to the Scriptures, all different types of mindsets that the word of God falls upon. But when it is a rhema word of God that falls upon your life, and it's at an appointed time, and it is on, comes upon a received heart, Jesus there is a miracle that happens through that word. It is a seed that is planted and it will grow fruit because it is the word of God. It will be watered. It will grow. It will produce something upon the earth and in your life that is pleasing to the Lord. And I thank God for those miracle moments because those are moments of divine intervention. This morning, we want to have a divine intervention in the house of God today. I believe it's time that we have a prayer service and that some men and women of faith stand in the gap as a representation of the Peters in your life and that we pray down the heavens in this place in full belief that God is going to send the messenger that He will strike them on the side and He will wake them up to a revelation of God's love, compassion, and deliverance. That He will then walk them through the gates.
to a place of decision. Jesus. And I'm going to call forth the body of Christ this morning to orchestrate that very move. We're going to have church in this place today. I believe we're going to use this building, we're going to use this time together today before we leave this tabernacle to pray heaven down to earth. And I'm going to believe in full in full belief and faith that God is about to move. I believe that He's already moving in some situations. You just hadn't seen, seen it yet. But now, I pray the power of the Holy Spirit come upon you to help you see the marks. The marks of God moving to give you an ability to be able to captivate your mind to give Him praise. See, some people are in places that we don't desire them to be. Some, some family, some... You know, we could be in situations with, with jobs in our prayer for so long where someone isn't where we desire them to be in their attitude things. We have to believe that because of our identity and as a saint of Jesus Christ, as a co-heir to the throne, and what we read in Ephesians of Him unlocking mysteries to us, giving us insight, giving us ability to be able to orchestrate the power of God, that we have to believe that to be true. And if we believe that to be true, we have to believe that God, even when we don't feel like He's moving, that we can see with another eye. He gives us insight into God. I might not be able to see it. I don't have to feel it. But I believe that you're doing something something in a supernatural realm. And I'm just waiting with expectation to be able to walk and to be able to see it face to face. And I'm praying that there's doors that's knocked on this year. People's homes see faces that look like a ghost because they've been gone for so long. You thought they would never come back. Jesus, I believe for God to bring things to the doorstep of His church that when you see it right before your eyes, that it's things that you've maybe even forgot about, fell into some spiritual trance or sleep, that God will authenticate His promise to His church today. So we can be a church that walks in power, that walks in identity, that walks in all the fullness of God. And I'm going to ask this morning that if you come forward with me this morning and that you would pray that prayer, that you would... Allow me to be able to pray that you would pray that we start this new year. We're even made it through the first month to do something different this morning. That we're, we stand in the gap. You may, and I'm going to ask that the body of Christ, I don't care if we're here till tomorrow morning. Whatever it takes. Why? Because I believe I don't want to miss the opportunity right now. I can't say, huh. It's just closed out with prayer and go on. No, I feel God about to do something. I feel this is the time. Right now is the time that we take the time to give to Him to, to actually show what we really believe. Do we believe it? Why did we come here this morning? What assembly are we? Let's pray miracles into existence, church. Jesus. And we're going to surround each other in that prayer. And we're going to not just all come up and pray all together for the things. No, we're going to take the time this morning to stand each individual in amongst the circle of the body of Christ for us to join hands and for us to pray specifically by name and for these situations. And I want you to be able to voice it what it is that we're praying for. And I'm going to ask that we do that this morning. That's because that's what we believe. 
We believe in miracles. We believe in the power of God. So many people need the power of God to flow in areas of their life. And wonder why didn't, why didn't it happen? Well, maybe this can be one start. Maybe this can just help build your faith. But I do know this, it doesn't matter. God can answer your prayer sitting on your back porch tonight looking out over your property. But there's something unique that God uses about the ministry of the church. Miracles happen in the ecclesia. This is the assembly of believers to touch the heart of God. Do you believe it? Jesus. I don't know what it is that you're facing, what you have this morning, but the power is here. Guys, we come here together to meet each other's need. We didn't just come here to get some instruction out of the Word of God. We come here in the house of God this morning to do something. We, we, we're going to call forth the power of God in these situations. Not that we manipulate His hand. No. We know He has the ability to move how He desires, but we have to have faith that He can move. And we believe it this morning. Jesus. I believe for him to open our eyes and to encourage us today.